Welcome back, college baseball fans. If you're looking for college baseball content, you are in the right place. This is Rally Caps, a college baseball podcast hosted by myself, Ben Porter, and my co-host, the Giraffe Man, Mark Luino. If you are not already following us on all social medias, you can find us at rallycaps underscore pod on Twitter and at rallycapspod on Instagram. You can also find us on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts, obviously you've found the audio. So if you're here for your first time, we're so happy to have you. And if you're a recurring listener, welcome back. So, hey, Mark, how was that intro? What do you think? I like it. That was pretty solid. We're improving on the intro every single episode. So I'm sure by episode, you know, 15, 20, we're going to sound like pros, like veterans. Just as the podcast is growing, so are we in our skill and talent. Absolutely. That's how it should be. And uh, oh, yeah. yeah, without a doubt. Let's uh, let's just hop right into it. This was a wild weekend of college baseball. Um, it felt like some of the best days that we've had in terms of craziness. I said that the real March Madness is happening on the diamond right now. So um, a lot of cool stuff. But the, the biggest thing was the Texas versus Texas Tech series. And before we get into that, I just want to read a DM that we got uh, from one of our listeners. Her name is Hope. And she said, this is just a little bit of background on some of the bad blood that might exist between Texas and Texas Tech. So before we dive into that, I want to give everybody a little bit of context. So she said, hey, y'all, I'm not sure if y'all read DMs, but this is an explanation a little too long, blah, 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 blah. Ah, a Texas Tech student's look on things. We've always had a bit of rivalry with Texas, but things really started getting heated last year when Tech's head basketball coach left to go to Texas. Ever since that happened last year, last year it has felt like our sports events have had a more electric environment than when we played Texas in the past. Um, even how we traveled all the way to Austin to make that basketball game a home one, like they're talking about how the crowds are crazy on the road wherever they go. Um, and so that kind of is some of the background. There's a little bit of bad blood between the coaching, maybe they're poaching from one another uh, within the athletic department. So there's a little bit of background there before we dive into kind of the, the craziness that unfolded at, at Texas Tech. But just wanted to preface that a little bit. Yeah, one of my first notes I put was hostile, very, very hostile. And it feels like, honestly, everywhere Texas has been this year has been hostile. It seems like they have a huge target on their back, and everybody's coming from them. Even if they're not the number one team in the country, which they no longer are, it feels like everybody, particularly this year, wants to not just beat Texas, but destroy them. Yeah, a lot of the teams that we've seen get really aggressive are are also in-state rivals. We saw it with Texas State. Now we're seeing it with Texas Tech. Um, and there's really, really good baseball in Texas. So that all those things combined leads to these unbelievable moments that we've seen. Um, and I think we should just start with the Jace Young home run and subsequent barking while he runs around the bases. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely loved it. Uh, Jace Young's a guy that we highlighted early on in the season as a dude to watch. He's a draft prospect. He should be one of the best players in all of college baseball. And while I had a little bit of a slow story, seemed to come out a little bit here against Texas. What a weekend for him. And that home run was an absolute bomb. If you hit a baseball that far, you're allowed to bark as much as you want. And I, I love it, especially because, like you said, like the rivalry. There feels like there's probably a little bit of sense of entitlement that Texas thinks they're better than Texas Tech. That they're, you know, we just get whoever you, you guys don't want or whoever doesn't want to be there will come to us. 
So I love to see a guy like Jace Young, who is essentially like a leader on the Texas Tech team, hit a bomb and talk in that shit. Like, I, I love that as a baseball player. That's something that I miss. I miss that sense of competition and the rivalry. So my view on it, I agree with everything. Um, if you hit an oppo bomb, however far, 450 feet, whatever, you can do whatever you want. I do think he should have got drilled in his next at bat, though. Yeah, I think I think that's fair, especially like I I've gotten some some shit for that in the past where I, like t- even talking about like Ronald Acuna, I was like I don't I don't like hitting players on purpose, but I understand why teams do it. And if there was ever a moment, I'm sure Jace Young, like we talked about having a target on your back for Texas, oh we put a huge target on his back going up against that team. You're inviting that kind of thing to happen. Is it right or wrong? That's up to you to decide, but. It definitely felt like it, it could have been warranted. Absolutely. And you could tell he was feeling himself all weekend. He was doing the Soto shuffle. He was just, <laughs> he was being a real goon out there, to be honest. But he, he was hitting the ball. And when you're in the zone, you're in the zone. Whatever fires you up. Um, if you haven't seen that clip, I'm sure you'll find it very easily. But Jace Young basically was yelling at every player he passed on the base pass. First baseman, yelling in his face. Second baseman, shortstop, third baseman dugout on the way back screaming at everybody and obviously the texas tech team loved it the fans loved it but i don't know if you're the you're on texas there it's hard to hold your temper yeah it's like the complete opposite of what happens in a little league world series you see a kid hit a nuke like a japanese kid hit <laughs> yeah, a yeah. bomb off of an american in the championship game instead of talking shit they're like shaking his hand they're like oh my god what a home run this was the exact opposite He's like fuck you fuck your school fuck your team he was chirping. Yeah, he, he was out for blood. And I think that set the stage for the whole series, really. I think that was in the first inning, was it? Yeah, it was It was early in the game. It was definitely early in the game. And the first two games of the series, go figure, went down right to the wire, as we kind of could expect with these two teams that are both very good. And I, I still just can't believe how they ended the first game of the series. That's like, I've, I've never seen anything like it. A walk-off steal of home is unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even realize it was a walk-off. I was like, oh, dude stole home. That's awesome. And then I realized that the whole team ran out onto the field. to. I was like, holy shit, that's the end of the game. Oh, my God. The thing that really stunned me about that is we've talked about Texas on this podcast at length and how well-coached they are, how fundamentally sound they are. And it, the pitcher didn't even realize. He didn't step off. He didn't deliver a throw home to the plate. It just felt like he was a little bit asleep at the wheel there, and that's something that obviously you get caught up in the moment, a riled-up crowd at Texas Tech, um, interstate rivalry, whatever. But I feel like those are mistakes that you don't really see Texas make. So it was, it was one that uh, definitely caught me off guard, but obviously the steal of home caught everybody off guard. That is truly a once-in-a-lifetime play that I've I don't know if we'll ever see it again I I mean I'm imagining if you watch every single college baseball game for the rest of time you might be able to catch one but how many times are you really gonna ever see that that's stealing home is unique in of its own you don't see it happen too often anymore to win the game that's that's also a crazy call by the Texas Tech third base coach and who is assumedly I I would imagine their head coach and manager like that's nuts (laughs) it's a nuts call it's also nuts if he didn't call it and the guy just went on his own but that's also a possibility. I think about that. I feel like that's what happened just because of he was just kind of creeping and then he took off. I don't know if the guy, if the coach was in his ear talking about, all right, get more, get more, get more, go. Or 
if it was just pure baseball instincts. But either way, I love the aggressiveness. It was just, I mean, that's how the game should be played, especially in college when these guys are strictly trying to win baseball games. Yeah, and I mean, I feel like we've all, if you've played baseball, been on third base at some point, you're like, man, I, I think I could do it. I think I could steal home right now. The guy's in the windup. He's taking forever. He's not even looking at me. A third baseman's 25 feet away. But to actually execute it and then to win the game on that, that's that's like one of the top plays of the college baseball season. I don't know how you really top that for a walk-off. That's We've seen some weird walk-offs already this year. That is easily number one right now. Dude, there have been so many times like in my baseball career where that exact thought process went on. Like I'm on third. I'm like, Oh, I could get more. I'm walking. I'm halfway down the line by the time the guy delivers the baseball. And I like talk to my coach. Hey, Hey, can I, can I get this? He's like, no, no, no. Stay put, stay put. He's like, (laughs) God damn it. It's every base runner's dream. And it was just, it was amazing to see. Um, yeah, Uh, we talked about Texas versus Texas state being the, the series of the year so far. And then they topped it. I mean, this this was an unbelievable series. Yeah, because game two, we had an absolute just slugfest. 12-12 going into the last inning. I mean, that right there, you want to talk about entertaining baseball. I know, you know, spring training's on and people's eyes maybe have shifted a little bit to Major League Baseball, but you got some of the best baseball you're going to see all year in game two, Texas versus Texas Tech, if you like offense. Oh, absolutely. And it was it was back and forth. It was... It was one team. Texas Tech started to run away with it a little bit. Texas scores four or five, get right back in. It takes the lead. I think 11 to seven it was. And then, yeah, and then Texas Tech just would not go away. Texas couldn't put them into the ground. And it ended ultimately with a walk-off grand slam. So on back-to-back nights, you've got, first you've got Jace Young setting (laughs) setting the stage by barking at the entire team. Then you've got a walk-off steal of home, and finally a walk-off Grand Slam. Two nights in a row, it does not get any better than that. Yeah, walk-off Grand Slams, again, like something that doesn't happen too often. Absolute bomb by Kurt Wilson, who's having a nice year for Texas Tech. Also the guy who stole the guy who stole home, Kurt Wilson. Yes, I, I know. It's, it's insane. <laughs> I mean, talk about a weekend. You steal home to walk it off. The next game, you hit a walk-off Grand Slam. We've we've talked about it a lot on this podcast. Just like have a weekend, and there's we got some more guys to talk about who had some weekends here. But maybe he didn't fill up the stat sheet like some of these other guys. But for memorable moments, I mean, these are probably two of the most memorable Texas Tech baseball moments in the last 10, 15 years. If you had to imagine, absolutely, they've got to be. Um, maybe some Texas Tech fans will will correct us there, but I can't think of anything that could possibly be more more exciting than what just happened that this past weekend. So then. Sunday, Texas kind of got back on track a little bit and, and slammed the door on the uh, the sweep opportunity. They won 12 to 1 there, but that's something that we kind of expected, I suppose. Yeah, it's like almost like the, you know, College World Series or World Series hangover there. You just played two grueling games and you came out on top. The team that lost those first two is just going to win that. You just spent all, you, you wore your heart on your sleeve in those games. A lot of energy, a lot of excitement. You were just due for an absolute stinker. And that's just kind of what happened in game three. But Texas Tech still wins the series against what was the consensus number one team in baseball to start the season. Yeah, yeah. And, and if Texas Tech wasn't already in everybody's top tens, we're going to do top tens at the end of this episode, but um, I'm pretty sure Texas Tech has a spot there for just about anybody that you ask. Also, one thing that we should mention is that uh, the Hispanic Titanic, we have to mention him every episode. I think we have a contract that says so. <laughs> and uh, he 
tied Jake Geloff for the home run lead. Uh, unless Jake Geloff hit more home runs this weekend. No, they're they're tied at 13 now. So yeah. Ivan Melendez and Jake Geloff at the top. And then, they. I mean, let's mention it real quick here, I guess, too. Tommy White, right behind him, hit another home run this weekend. He's at 12. So there's there's definitely a little bit of a race for the home run, home run crown going there. A lot of guys with a lot of home runs right now in college baseball. Yeah, it was only a matter of time before Ivan Melendez climbed that leaderboard because that dude is just a horse and he was due for a couple you know multi-home run weekends multi-home run games so he's right there at the top with with Jake Geloff um, and I don't think you can expect him to go anywhere no I got a good feeling Ivan Melendez is probably going to end up you know in the top five for home runs by the end of the year yeah uh, did they do a who was it that won the Caribbean home run dirty MJ Melendez, never mind. MJ Melendez, yes. <laughs> who won who won the I'll have to look up who won the college World Series uh home run derby last year, but it was it Ivan Melendez? I'm not sure. I'm not sure, honestly. I, I don't remember the name. Uh anyway, uh one thing I wanted to mention on that Tommy White bomb is that it was pull side. And that's yes, we haven't seen a lot of that. We haven't seen a lot of that from Tommy White. Um, so I don't know if that's I don't know if that kind of symbolizes anything, but usually we see him going up the middle, maybe oppo, because he's got crazy oppo pop. But if he's starting to pull the ball, that's, I don't know where you pitch him. You can't pitch him in. You can't pitch him out. Can't pitch him up. I mean, (laughs) what do you do? Yeah, it seems like, well, he's had a little bit of a slump here and there. He's been a little less consistent, a little less Tommy Tanks, as we saw at the start of the year. It's more so that it's really hard to live up to what he did those first couple weeks because he really was just on cloud nine playing a different game of baseball than we've seen recently. He's still going to have a great year, still has a great career ahead of him. And it's, it's nice to see him again kind of getting more comfortable as the season goes on, getting into conference play as well. Yeah, he was obviously going to settle down. He's a freshman, um, which is still crazy. But it's pretty cool that the lasting effect of kind of the first the first two weekends was that every time he hits a bomb now, people are going to talk about it. Like there are so many home runs that that go unnoticed or every time Tommy White hits one, people are talking about Tommy Tanks and, and that first weekend and, and whether or not he's back. So pretty cool to be to be Tommy White right now. Right now. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, just a lot, lot worse places you could be. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, and then kind of the marquee matchup of the weekend was was Tennessee Ole Miss coming into it. Ole Miss was the most recent number one team coming into this weekend. Um, and Tennessee was on an absolute tear. They're now 23 and one, but 20 and one coming into the into the series. Spoiler alert, they swept Ole Miss. Um, but what do you think on that one, Mark? That was, I mean, everybody's shocked. I thought it would at least end in a Texas like comeback from Ole Miss, but Tennessee just keeps on rolling. Yeah, I mean, me and you talked about it, you know, for the last couple episodes now about Tennessee. That that future College World Series winner pick is looking better and better every single day. Tennessee is just simply the best team in college baseball. And while Ole Miss is very good, they just got embarrassed. They got destroyed. Tennessee completely dominated them. It felt like there was really no chance for Ole Miss at any point. Like, yeah, it got close at times, but Tennessee was in control all weekend all games, every inning, like they were just, they were so much better than Ole Miss. And it just, it, you go through this line, go through this team. 
they're unstoppable. And I know, like, after the first game, I think, what, one of the old Miss pitchers, I don't remember his name, but he made a comment, right, that it wasn't going to happen again, and, well, it did. <laughs> yeah, basically, there was there was some Twitter back and forth or, or some interview back and forth um, where I don't remember his name either. also don't want to call him out. But one of the old Miss players, after losing the first game, said, we definitely took them lightly. We figured because they play in a small ballpark that, they wouldn't be hitting home runs against us, you know, couldn't happen to us. And he guaranteed that they would win the next day and that it would be better. And to his credit, it did get better because they only lost by seven in the second game as opposed to 11 in the first game. <laughs> yeah, and you know, to be fair, in game three, they only lost by one. So it was closer, but uh, I mean, like, just going through the notes even, like, Tennessee was just so in control. Like, they're pitching in off... Like, I should say this. Their pitching is the best in the country. I don't think that's debatable. I think they have the best one, two, three, especially when you talk about the weekend starters. Chase Burns was dominant. Seven innings, two hits, 11 Ks. Then game two, you got my boy Chase fucking Dollander, who is just my favorite pitcher in college baseball. What did he do? Six and a third, three hits, 10 Ks. Oh, not, not a bad day for Chase. And then even game three on Sunday, Drew Beam, seven and a third, three hits, six Ks. Like, their pitching is just so good. And I... I've written down some more stats, too, just about this entire team in general. It's crazy what they're doing. They're so good. I've, I've got a laundry list of stats to read off <laughs> to read off for them I, as well. But I wonder if we have the same exact stats written down, because I, I have a feeling we might, based on the conversations we've had. I'm sure we definitely have a couple of them. Uh, we can save those for our top 10, and then we'll, <laughs> we'll get back into it. But I also want to add on that that those three guys, one walk combined on the weekend. That's a Crazy. quick math. 20.2 innings pitched with one walk. And in college baseball, we've been preaching it all season. The name of the game is limiting or getting 90 bases if you're the offense and limiting 90, sorry, bases, 90 bases, 90 feet if you're the offense, limiting 90 feet if you are the defense. And only giving out one free 90, that's all you can do as a pitching staff. And obviously they did more with all those strikeouts. And then you turn it over to a guy like Ben Joyce in the bullpen. It's it's a recipe for, for winning a College World Series straight up. Yeah, no, I mean, granted, let's give Tim Elko some love. He hit an absolute bomb off of Ben Joyce. Someone was bound to do it at some point. Tim Elko, one of the best college or hitters in college baseball, it makes sense. But yeah, I mean, the, the way Tennessee's built, it's not fair to, to bring Ben Joyce to just pitch an inning even. Like, come on, come on, Tennessee. What are you doing here? Where, where did this come from? I mean, were we sleeping on Tennessee or is everyone kind of surprised at how good they are? I think everyone, I think it's a little bit of both. Like, I don't think we were sleeping on them. I mean, early on they had that weekend where they scored about 100 runs. And we said, <laughs> we said on the podcast, we should bet them at, I don't know, 35 to 1, 40 to 1. Yeah, really good odds. Now they're like the favorites. I think they're 10 to 1. So I wouldn't say we're sleeping on them, but the whole world, the whole college baseball world, definitely didn't give them the respect that they deserved. Um, also on that Tim Elko home run, I don't know if there's anything I like watching more than a guy just timing up velo perfectly and just teeing off because that's exactly what it wasn't a cheap shot he was ready for it he's like you know what he's gonna throw it 103 i'm gonna be ready i'm gonna swing before the ball leaves his hand and he just connected to dead center it was it was fucking awesome it's it's like one of those things you can't truly appreciate unless you like are a true baseball fan i feel like the average person watches it and goes like okay yeah what's the big deal but it's like 
103 to barrel it up like that and Ben Joyce has the movement too like oh my god I don't think you guys understand how impossibly hard that is and like you said when it gets timed up perfectly like that it's it's like poetry in motion it's fantastic yeah yeah and and we love we love Tim Elko Um, I'm not sure if they did a beer shower for him there because they were down (laughs) all weekend after after losing the first two Uh, but it was nice to see our guy get one um and I don't think you're going to see that happen too many times off of Ben Joyce. So it's kind of like they say in hockey, like if you score on him, keep the puck. If you hit a bomb off of Ben Joyce, you're going to want to keep the baseball. So I hope somebody retrieved that for him. Definitely. And then uh, another Tennessee team, East Tennessee State, of course, a little bit of the uh, you know fan favorites over here of the podcast. They keep on winning, and especially in the banana hammock jerseys, they win again. They keep doing it. I, I mean... I think they're six and zero in those jerseys now, and it was something that we highlighted before the season even started. Like that is a difference maker. It's something where the look good, feel good, play good, and that's exactly what East Tennessee State is doing right now. Um, And we want to give some love to their pitcher Hunter Lloyd, who threw an immaculate inning, which is maybe the first of the season, at least the first one that we've heard of, which is which is pretty cool. Yeah, and it's it's also cool to see that someone that we highlighted early on in the year as one of the pitchers of the day is continuing to just be an absolute beast for Eastern Tennessee State. 1.21 ERA in 29 two-thirds innings pitched. 46 Ks, 9 walks, 4 earned runs. Yep, Hunter Lloyd, pretty good, pretty good. Pretty good. I forgot that he was pitcher of the day. Sorry, Hunter Lloyd. There have been a lot of a lot of days, a lot of pitchers, but shout out to you, my friend. <laughs> shout yeah, out to you. I mean, like... Yeah, East Tennessee State always likes our tweets about them winning in the yellow uniforms too. So we're we're a big fan of that team over there. Very, very underrated pitching factory. They've been putting out pros the last like three or four years, especially in the draft that have been getting picked higher and higher. Hunter Lloyd, I got a feeling, is going to be playing professional baseball someday. It's kind of funny that, or not funny, but it's interesting that certain teams get, get billed as like, these pitching warehouses where, where guys just get developed. And obviously that, that says so much about the coaching that they have and, and the processes that they've implemented as a program. Um, everyone talks about Stetson, obviously, because of, of DeGrom and like FGCU because of Chris Sale and, and certain, certain teams just have that reputation um, as pitching factories. And, and that's one that I hadn't really known about, but that, that's pretty cool. Yeah, no, they definitely had some guys coming through recently. So Eastern Tennessee State, you know what we're going to be doing. We're always going to be rooting for you and keep on winning in those amazing yellow banana hammock jerseys. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. Um, Another team that's got some yellow in them is Michigan. And we wanted to highlight that they hit four bombs in a row. It's something that just doesn't happen. I remember vividly when the Red Sox did it. um, But that's the only time I can think of it. Yeah, back-to-back-to-back-to-back jacks is not something we see too often. Um, I I also think it's crazy that Michigan ended up losing this game in which they hit four home runs, which, like, that's almost almost crazier. How do you hit four home runs in a row and lose? I guess because it's three of them are going to be solo shots at the absolute worst. But the guys who did hit it were Matt Frey, Jimmy Obertop, Ted Burton, who was a former player of the day, and Tito Flores. All these guys are having fantastic years. They all have, or all are hitting around 300, 900 OPS. Pretty sick, three, four, five, six, if you ask me right there. Oh, absolutely. And we haven't talked about Big Ten baseball too much on the podcast yet this year. Um, but there's great baseball going on up north. Uh, and I think that's part of the reason why, just the location of those teams. They don't get the appreciation that they may deserve. Um, 
because traditionally they're football schools, they're basketball schools, but they've got really, really good baseball in those, those schools as well. Uh, Iowa is at the top of a lot of different pitching statistics lists. Uh, Purdue, we're going to talk about their 19 and one on the season. Like there, there's some, there's some good ass teams in the big 10. Yeah, no, the, the baseball has definitely improved. Like you said, they get the reputation of ba- uh, football, basketball, but there's some good baseball there. I mean, I even think of Kyle Schwarber, who went to Indiana, got paid recently. Like, they're, you're starting to see these guys get to the pros now, and I think that also helps build those programs too because, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm sure a lot of these kids who go to these big-time D1 schools, you want to go to the next level. So when you see that you have the ability to, you bring in more talent, there you go, better baseball. There's also a lot of good, a lot of good academic schools in the Big Ten as well, so... Maybe some guys are trying to balance things. They don't want to be nerds and go to the Ivy League like like I did, or <laughs> maybe they don't want to go down south where, where you did, and they just want kind of that happy medium with, with really strong athletics and, and good academics as well. So Big Ten, obviously an incredible athletics conference, but uh, baseball slept on a little bit up there, I'd say. Yeah, and I mean, like, Honestly, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I, I was sleeping on Purdue. I didn't even realize how good of a year they're having. I think you said, what, 18, 19, and 1, whatever they are. And I looked into it more. Their only loss came against Illinois State on March 17th in extra innings. They've just been incredibly good all year long. And like you said, sometimes they don't get enough credit, but it, it's good to see that at least people are starting to recognize Purdue baseball as legit this year a little bit more. Yeah, uh, Illinois State also a team that beat Arkansas in the on opening day. So they've got some firepower. I'm not saying that the, uh, what are they, the Redbirds, Illinois State, something like that? I think so. Yeah, they, they, look, they got Cardinal-looking yeah, logo yeah. mascot thing. I'm not saying Illinois State is, is necessarily a powerhouse, but they've, they've shown the ability to beat some top teams. And, and just because Purdue lost to them does not make Purdue any sort of a slouch. They are in my top 10, Mark. I'm not sure if they're in yours. Ooh. Okay, yeah, I, we'll, we'll see. We'll see when we get towards yeah, yeah. the end there. We'll, we'll, but, get, we'll get towards I mean, it. We'll get towards it, too. And I want to shout out a couple of players for them, too. Uh, Cam Thompson, offensively, he's been their best hitter all year. Six homers, 30 RBIs, 359 average, 494 on base, 750 slugging, eh, 1244 OPS. Eh, that's pretty good. And then... Jesus Christ, 1244. Is yeah. that is that tops in the in the country right now? That is up there among the tops. I don't know if it is the top in the country, but that is that is one of the best out there. And then, like, I think something that they I looked into that's really cool with them is that they run a lot too. And something that we talked about with was it Texas Southern? Texas Southern. I think yeah, runs? Texas Southern. Yeah. So Purdue's been extremely successful running the bases this year, fifty-seven of sixty-five on stolen base attempts, which is that's really good. I mean, in about twenty games, you're stealing about a bag or two a game. That's that can make the difference a lot of times. Absolutely. It- I absolutely love that too. And when you're a team that maybe is not playing the top tier competition, at least in terms of rankings and RPI and all that, like you got to do something to stand out. And if stolen bases plays everywhere, obviously the the catching level might improve a little bit. The, the arms on those catchers might improve, but if you can steal bags and consistently get guys into scoring position, you're going to be able to put runs across against any team in the country. So get on base, get in scoring position, and we see singles. That's something that exists in college baseball that's starting to go the, <laughs> the way of the dodo in MLB. So stolen bases always plays, and we love watching it. And especially with how good Purdue's been pitching this year with Jackson Smeltz, 
Wendell Wyatt and Troy Wansing, I believe I'm pronouncing these names right. <laughs> like these these guys have been their three main stars this year. And I think all their ERAs are like under three, and a couple guys are hovering in like that one to two range. So the pitching's been great. They've gotten they have a lockdown reliever, it appears, in Landon Weens, who just nobody seems to be able to touch. So Purdue overall looks like they're building a really nice team. There's no Ivan Melendez or Jake Gel- Geloff necessarily on this team in terms of this big home run hitter who's just able to take over a game, but you got Cam Thompson, you got good running, you got good baseball fundamentally sound you can win a lot of games like they have been you've also got a student there named jeremy frank also known as mlb random stats i wonder if he's doing any work to kind of optimize lineups or something who knows i, I mean uh, is, is he working for the astros i think he's working for somebody in major league <laughs> baseball at some point so like it'd probably be smart to get him in there and just crunch some numbers at least we had a guy uh one of my years at columbia who kind of helped the coaching staff with that so it's definitely something that exists and if there's a better guy out there i'm not i'm not sure he exists so that's that's super interesting you mentioned that because that's something that's been like going on in my head is like watching ivy league schools clearly you know some of the best academics in the country right there do those schools use that to their advantage because like i mean we look at who's running major league baseball teams these dudes are all coming from ivy league schools so like you would think that it's almost like an incubator in a way for like these next great baseball minds. Do like the Ivy League schools really utilize that? Yeah, it's interesting because on the one hand, you've got all of the all of the analytical talent in the world, mathematical talent, um, but the resources to maybe harvesting baseball data are not there. You know, we don't have the we don't have as many Rapsodos or StatCast machines, hit tracks, whatever they're called. We don't have that as much as other schools do, so it's hard to get all the necessary data if you want to really get into the weeds on it. Um, I also didn't see any of the stuff that this this assistant did uh, with the coaching staff, but it was apparent when our best hitter, who wasn't necessarily a speed guy or anything, when he was batting leadoff or uh, when the lineup rejigged and we were like, what the hell is going on here? It was definitely <laughs> had some of that influence. So uh, I'm not sure that he is going to end up in a major league front office, but I'd imagine that some teams are starting to utilize some of their students because if, if some of the students are interested in baseball, there's always, there's always a place for them to help the teams try to win. Oh, definitely, definitely. And I mean, there's a guy in the Ivy Leagues this weekend who had a pretty good game. Uh, what was his name? Jake, Jake Gary? Gary, I believe. Gary, yeah. G-H, so potentially Jerry, but I think it's Jake Gary. Um, but on Sunday, Jake Gary hit four home runs, which has only happened 18 times in Major League Baseball history. So it just doesn't happen. <laughs> Guys don't hit four home runs. Two of those home runs were grand slams. So he finished the day four for five, with four bombs and 11 RBIs, it's got to be the performance of the weekend, Mark. Yeah, no, that's that's pretty hard to beat. I mean, four home runs in a weekend is a great weekend. Yeah. He did it in one game. Two grand slams in a season is a great is great in a season. He got it in one game. I mean, like, Jay Gary, have a day, my guy. I, I feel like that's where the saying comes from. Have a fucking day. Yeah, it's it. I believe it's the rarest occurrence. Obviously, you could go really deep and find some bizarre occurrences but i think that's the rarest accomplishment in major league baseball i think it's slightly more than the immaculate inning or something okay interesting something like that more there's definitely more uh perfect games than four home run games so it's it's very very rare so jake gary is in elite company 
And I know we talked about this last weekend too with the guy in St. John's, Jake Gary. Similarly, zero homers and three RBIs coming into coming into that game. <laughs> coming into that game, he was hitting 184. So he bumped the average up to 241. Got the four homers. Got up to 14 RBIs. Hopefully, this is going to be what pushes Jake Gary into a nice little hot stretch here. And uh, I mean, <laughs> at the absolute worst, you have one of the most memorable performances in college baseball history. <laughs> yeah, Jake Gary is going to be telling his grand grandkids about that. Um, he plays at Yale. I don't know if we. I don't know if we mentioned that, but yeah, <laughs> it's just, just crazy. Baseball is a weird sport. You could be damn near zero and just turn it on. Something clicks and you're performing well. So shout out to Jake Gary. I don't like Yale, but shout out to Jake Gary. While we're on the, <laughs> while we're on the topic of Ivy leagues, uh, I want to give a shout out to my boys. Columbia won game two of their three game series against Penn. They won it on back-to-back bombs. So they were down in the eighth. They, they came within one, bottom of the ninth, um, bottom of the ninth, down one, back-to-back bombs to win the game. So shout out to my boy, Austin Mowry, for that one. And see, if you're going to give a shout out to your boys, I mean, I got to give a shout out to my boys too. South Carolina, good little job against Vandy. We're taking down the big guys here. It'll beat Texas, beating up Vandy. I, I don't know how. We don't really <laughs> play that great of baseball outside of those two series, but hey, let's go Cox. Go Cox, man. Hey, congrats on that. That's that's huge. How many, you, how many did you. they yeah. take? Uh, let me double check here. I, I'm pretty sure they took two of three, but it might have been, they might have split the series. Let me just double check this. Yeah, I, I mean, if you beat Texas, obviously Texas went into that slow stretch, but that does not, uh, they won the series? They won the series. We got an 8-2 win on Friday, 8-6 win on Saturday. It was a weird Thursday, Friday, Saturday series. That's why I was a little thrown off there. I'm like, wait, I'm looking at Sunday. I don't see a score. Yeah, so if anyone thought that South Carolina was just catching Texas in a bad stretch, no, no, no. They're a good team. They beat Vanderbilt. Sprink- Sprinkling getting smacked by Tennessee and losing to the Citadel. But, hey, listen, we beat the number one at the time and the number four at the time. And you, Give us a chance. And you lose to Tennessee, which just about everyone in the country is doing right now. So that's like... Yeah. That's hot in the streets right now. The Citadel, eh, you know, tough one right there, but they've got great uniforms, so maybe they were distracted all game. It's very possible. It's very possible. South Carolina, <laughs> we, we love a good jersey down there. Um, we've also, speaking of good jerseys, good transition right there, Mark, uh, Grambling State wore Negro League uniforms this weekend, which was just awesome. Um, sick. So sick. Yeah. Obviously, a uh, a historical black college that that must have been really special for for those players uh to kind of get that historical aspect into the game and it's probably something that i'm not sure if i'm not sure a lot of players consider kind of the history of the game on a, on a day-to-day basis and that one just must have brought them in touch with that which which was probably pretty cool i would i would assume yeah, I thought it was really cool, too, how every single player wore a different team's jersey. And then the other thing that came to my mind, too, was I'm surprised the NCAA didn't, like, nip that in the bud immediately. <laughs> like, it feels like there's so many rules and so many stipulations about jerseys and this and that. And then, like, for them to just be able to pull that out, like, good good they didn't ruin this. Because this is one of the cooler things, I think, that's happened in college baseball thus far. That's not necessarily a story about the play on the field, but what's going on, you know, in total. Absolutely. I do believe they won that game. So harness some power from the <laughs> from the uh, historical figures that, that played before them, which is pretty cool. Um, there's also 
there's something that goes on every year in Boston that's like that. It's called the old time game. I'm not sure if you've heard of that, Mark. I don't think so. No, I'm I'm not sure about it. So there's this guy in in the Boston area. It's not related to college baseball, but a lot of college players play every summer. Um, There's this guy who has collected over many years, like a lot of old, old, old uniforms, Um, maybe a couple Negro League uniforms, maybe some Pacific League uniforms, uh, 1920s, 30s uniforms from Major League Baseball. And every year in Boston, they host a game where college players, maybe some local people. I know Pedro played in one, Lou Merloni played in one. Um, they wear the old timers uniforms and it's just called the old time game. So that's kind of similar to what Grambling State did this past weekend. And it just, it just makes people appreciate kind of what went on uh, before this era of baseball. And I think that's pretty cool. I wish they had the, the old time gloves to go with it, uh, but <laughs> <laughs> always cool to see those uniforms on the field. Yeah, I don't know if Grambling State would have gotten a win if they used the old-time gloves nowadays. <laughs> I've actually got a 1950s Yogi Berra model catcher's mitt. Um, Ooh. It's really cool. It's just like a big pad with a hole in the middle. And the thing <laughs> the thing catches pretty well, <laughs> surprisingly. I've played catch with it before. That's, that's, that's a cool piece to have in your collection. Absolutely. But anyway, we digress. That's just what happens in the <laughs> what just what happens in this pod. Uh, let's talk about our boys, the Camels. Let's talk about Roll Humps and the and the Neto family a little bit. Campbell won on Sunday. They played Presbyterian. They won thirty six to four. Thirty six to four. Yeah. It's a baseball score, guys. We're not watching football. We're not watching basketball. I know we saw South Carolina women's uh, take a 44-4 to lead, I think, over Howard in the NCAA tournament at half. But, <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is a baseball score, 36-4 to on Sunday. Jared Belbin hit three homers, four for seven with 10 RBIs. Have a day. Gar- Grant Nip went five for six with two homers and nine RBIs. Have a day. In total, they hit 10 home runs in a game. 10! <laughs> what do you do if you're... If you're Presbyterian, do you just, that's, oh my God. Do you have the, I'm going to look up the box score quickly just because I didn't write this down, but I don't know how many pitchers pitched for them, how many inning eaters they had. I don't know if they had position players coming in, but (laughs) I mean, like at some point you're almost better off. And like this, I'm not trying to be disrespectful Presbyterian. It happens. This just, this happens sometimes. But you seriously start to question if you just put the ball on the tee, would you have a better chance of getting these guys out? Like, I've never played in a game where 36 runs have been scored. I can't even imagine what that's like. What do you do? Like, you you struggle to get guys out in a sport that you're supposed to get out more than you make, than you're successful. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's pretty embarrassing. But you, it's just, that's baseball. You know, baseball's weird. We've said it a million times. You got to just come back and... <laughs> try to do it the next day. I don't know when their next game is. It's got to be a midweek. But um, So let's count these pitchers right here. They've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten pitchers through in this game, Mark. <laughs> oh, oh, my God, ten? Wait, do you want to hear, hear another crazy stat? What do you got? Campbell, so they had 25 hits that game. They were 25 for 50. They had a 500 batting average. <laughs> For a game as a team, that's insane. That is insane. Like, I wonder what I can't even think about what the the maximum batting average in a game is. Like, twenty seven outs, twenty seven, <laughs> twenty seven hits. I don't. Even, I don't even know. I can't do the math right now. But they technically 
had more hits than outs in the game because they didn't hit in the bottom of the ninth. So they had 25 hits and they only got out 24 times. That's that's, that's incredible. insane. That's, that's incredible. <laughs> I love like that. if you've ever played baseball, you like go. Oh, that doesn't even make sense. <laughs> no, it doesn't. That's that's a, a win for the ages. We'll see if we'll see if they have a little bit of a hangover this week, or if they can carry the momentum because that's just something that doesn't happen. Quick quiz: Do you know the the Presbyterian mascot? Um, preacher. I don't know. Uh, they they are the blue hose. The blue hose. Blue hose. S eight. Sorry. H O S E, like a like oh, a garden hose. hose. I thought you were talking. About, I, th- I thought you were talking about like hose. Like <laughs> no, no, I got no. hose. You know, <laughs> the blue hose, Presbyterian blue hose. Yeah, that they deserve to lose thirty six to four. I'm sorry, that's one of the worst team names in any sport ever. I have no idea what it is. I just know that that's what they are. <laughs> I got another fun Presbyterian fact for you. Their football team, they brought in a coach who I believe was a successful high school coach, and they don't punt, and they onside kick and go for two every single time. <laughs> They're playing Madden in real life. They, they The dude refuses to give up the ball unless it's a turnover or a turnover on downs. You will not get it from him through a punt. And that's why you've never heard of Presbyterian as a football powerhouse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's... You know what? They're trying something. And maybe, you know what? The Blue Hose, maybe they're like, if we have the Blue Hoses or Nate, maybe we'll find guys that throw hard. They've got hoses on their arms. I don't think so, though. <laughs> it, was a, it was a good a good effort to, to give them a little bit of love. But listen, if you're from Presbyterian and you're listening to this episode, you just got to embrace the suck sometimes. You guys had a shit weekend, <laughs> a dog shit weekend. You know that. Nobody needs to comfort you. That's the last thing you want to hear right now is that, oh, it, it, you know, it's all right because it's not. You don't lose by 20, what was it, 32? <laughs> you don't lose by 32 runs and there's no sugar coat in that. So figure it out. Be better next next game. I'm sure it will be. It can't it can't get worse than that. Can't can't get worse. That's <laughs> I think that's how we end it there with President Sierra. It can't get worse. Can't get worse. Um, before we head into our top 10s, uh, let's just talk about the Cal versus Oregon State um, series a little bit. And one thing that I wanted to mention was Dylan Beavers for Cal had a good weekend against the Oregon State Beavers. So sometimes it'd really be your own that uh, that take you out. He had a, a nice assist from right field, hosed a guy at third base. He hit a bomb. Um, yeah, Dylan Beavers doing it against his, his namesakes. Yeah, three homers and eight RBIs on the series. I think he has 10 or 11 home runs on the year. So he's having a really good year in, in total, Dylan Beavers. And Cal didn't win the series, but Dylan Beavers, you, you beat up on the Beavers. Yeah, they uh, they took one game. They took game two, seven to, uh, eight to seven. So um, good job, Dylan, helping your team get a dub there. But Oregon State, I'm sure we'll both talk about soon, is a really, really good team. So with that, you want to get into these top tens? Yeah, let's get let's get into these top ten rankings. So, do you just want to go back and forth, and we'll do one, one, two, two, etc. Uh, yeah, let's start at ten. Let's keep them waiting for ah, number one. Although I feel uh, like they, they uh, have a, I think I think they know. They might know, but yeah, let's keep them waiting. <laughs> at number ten, I have Miami, the U. Ooh, okay. And the reason behind that is they're seventeen and six. Obviously, a good record. There's a lot of a lot of losses. In the uh, in the standings this year, there there aren't too many teams that have you know 
under five losses. So six is not a bad figure. They're also 3-0 and versus top 25 teams this season. Um, that's something that, that I think that's one of the best winning percentages against, I mean, you can't get better than that against top 25 teams, but they're one of the only teams that hasn't dropped one to a top 25 opponent. Um, obviously, they've only played three games, but being able to beat that top-tier talent is what propelled them into the top 10 for me. Yeah, Miami was close. They were on the fringe. They were part of the group of who's going to be number 10. I ended up going with another ACC school. I went with Louisville. Louisville, of course, baseball powerhouse, putting a lot of guys into the pros. They're going to do it again, and I feel like they're being led by, I can't remember his first name, but Metzinger, I think he's their catcher. He's having a phenomenal year at the plate. Um, Louisville's 19-5. and They've been jumping up the rankings. They've been beating some good teams. I expect them to be a team that's competing all the way towards the end of the year. They've also got uh, what I call the Dirty Shirley uniforms. It's like the Tequila Sunrises, but it's it's the three red stripes. So I like Ooh, those. Dirty Shirleys, I like that. I like those a lot. We need them to play the Arizona State Tequila Sunrise unis uh, at some point. It would be amazing. Uh, at nine, I have a team that we just talked about, and that's Purdue. And the strength of schedule isn't there. They're like 48th in the RPI or something. We talked about their one loss coming to Illinois State, who is 9-9. Nine and nine. Like They're not a powerhouse by any stretch of the imagination. But 19-1 and one is 19-1. and one. If you've got one loss, you've proven that you can win. We talked about their stolen base figures. Uh, it's, just, it's just a good all-around team that has shown the ability to win. And, and that's all that matters when it comes down to it. So obviously that'll, that'll change. But if they keep going forward and you see them 35 and five or something down the road, they're going to be a top seed. Yeah, no, they're, they're playing good baseball. I will say I left them out of my top 10. I, I, I got biased to the South. You know that. You knew that was going to happen before it even started. So I went with a team of similar colors and also equally weird name. The Boilermakers, no, we went with the Vanderbilt Commodores. Uh, I put Vandy at nine, a little bit because I want South Carolina to have another top 10 team that they've taken a series (laughs) from. I mean, definitely something we can hang our hats on, but Vandy still is really good. While they don't have that feel maybe of some of the great teams of the past, they still have a great, uh, Frank, what's his pitch? The pitcher's name. I'm blanking out right now. Oh, Patrick Riley. Nope. Chris McIlvain. McIlvain. That's it. Yes. Chris McIlvain. He's awesome. He's really good. I think he's the best pitcher on that staff. They still have a loaded offense. Carter Young starting to look a little bit better here as the season's going on. I still think they're a top 10 team. And I mean, they're what 19 and four. So outside of losing these two to South Carolina, they were 18 and two coming into the weekend. So I I got them at nine. Well, I've got them at eight. So I'll just keep going a little bit um, with some of the stuff that I had written down. And Patrick Riley, 1.09 ERA and 24.2 innings pitched, 41 Ks in that stretch. So the guy's being dominant. Um, And then Chris McIlvain, 1.95 ERA in 32.1 innings with 43 strikeouts. So dominance at the front end of their rotation there. Our guy Enrique Bradfield Jr., 14 for 14 stolen bases beast at the top of the lineup and then they're playing uh they're playing the big dogs this weekend they've got a series versus tennessee coming up and that is going to be fun little little in-state action there as well to tennessee teams so it'll be uh be good to see definitely one to circle watch if you're going to watch college baseball this weekend vandy tennessee should probably be on your tv at I number would, eight I would for say me so. yeah go ahead yeah at number eight for me Texas. Why not? South Carolina beat them. They were the number one team in the country. They still are very good. They lost to a very, very good Texas Tech team. And really, at the end of the day, they are just one of the most well-rounded teams in college baseball. So, got to drop them a little bit because they definitely did get their, you know, 
get handed it to him a little bit by Texas Tech, but still a top 10 team, a team that's going to be dangerous throughout the entire year. And I expect him to get stronger as the year goes on. Yeah, Texas obviously isn't going anywhere. Uh, I've got them a little bit lower ranked, but at number, what are we at? That was eight for you. Seven. So yeah, seven, seven for now. me is I've got Oregon State. And they're just they're just a really, really well-rounded team. Um, they are 17 and five. We just, just talked about with Purdue. There aren't too many teams who have that kind of five loss um, figure or, or fewer. They just dropped a game, obviously, as we, we were talking about. Did we talk about that? Never mind. They just dropped a game to, to yeah, California. Dylan Beavers yeah. <laughs> did it to them a little bit. And then their only other losses came to Arizona State. Grand Canyon, who's got an awesome offense who we talked about a little bit, Washington State, and then UC Irvine, who was one of our teams preseason that we highlighted. So uh, they've played really good competition, and they've just been playing really good baseball. There's not too many standouts for them, but really well-rounded, really well-coached. They play good baseball. Yeah, no, they're, they're very strong, and they'll they'll find their way a little bit higher on my rankings in a couple minutes here. But for me at number seven, I went with – do we're our colors are on point here. We got a lot of the same colors in the same spot. I went with Oklahoma State. I went with the Cowboys. As much as I dislike that school because of how they screwed me over with bets and football this year, their baseball team's pretty good. Definitely led by their pitching. Their offense has been a little slow this year. Hasn't been great. I think uh, Justin Thompson or, or something like that is their main hitter right now is absolutely tearing the cover off the ball. But on the pitching side, I love Justin Campbell. Again, you guys have probably figured out I'm a big draft guy here, and he's a super, super good prospect that's going to be coming into the MLB draft hopefully this year. In 38 innings, he struck out 58 batters. He's just got some of the best stuff in college baseball, and he's definitely the ace of that staff. So I got them at seven. Very nice, very nice. At six, I've got Florida State. And <gasps> Me too. Hell yeah. High five. <laughs> High five. <laughs> Florida State, their strength is in their pitching rotation. They've got four starters with a sub-3 ERA. You've got Ross Dunn, ERA of 2, 48 Ks and 27 innings pitched. Bryce Hubbard, 2.17 ERA with 55 Ks and 37.1 innings pitched. Carson Montgomery, 2.81 ERA. He's a control guy. He's got 22 inning, 22 strikeouts and 25 innings pitched, which I love to see. Pretty cool he can get that done. And then Parker Messick, who we've who we've mentioned before, 2.84 ERA with 65 strikeouts and 38 innings pitched. The guy's a stud. Uh, if you're facing them, good luck scoring runs. Yeah, you stole the words out of my mouth. Parker Messick has just been one of the best pitchers in all college baseball. Left-handed, you know, sometimes you get a little crafty lefty. He's got a little bit of both. His stuff is absolutely filthy, and I love seeing the gifts of him by Pitching Ninja and all the highlights because his ball just moves, and he's got some swag, too, on the mound. He's got confidence. Love that out of him. Absolutely. They're a fun team to watch. Um, a great team historically. They're a strong program. Something fun about them is that the, the crowd sings O Canada every game. The, the really? Rock, yeah, in the bleachers, they sing O Canada. At least that's what uh, my man Jared Z from Twitter has told me in the past, um, and I've seen videos of it. So pretty cool. Pretty cool scene at, at Florida State there. Do we have any reason why they sing O Canada, or they just do it? That's a great question. Something that I'll have to figure out for next episode. <laughs> shout out to Canada. Shout out to Canada. I just got back from Canada, so shout out to them. Um, number five, I've got Texas now. Obviously, we, we you just spoke about them, but Hispanic Titanic is a beast. They've got an incredibly strong lineup. And the teams that they've lost to, you've got to remember, it's, it's Texas Tech, Texas State, UCLA, your boys at South Carolina. The only decently bad loss was against College of Charleston. 
And even that is a strong baseball school year in and year out. So they've lost a decent amount, a lot of them in a short stretch. So I really think that we should give Texas a little bit of slack here. So they're still in my top five. Okay, so for me, I went with the team that beat them this weekend. I went with Texas Tech at number five. Offensively, Jace Young, it's where it starts. It's not where it ends because this team just top to bottom. I mean, I think they have like five or six guys with the OPS above 900. Kurt Wilson is playing great. Parker Kelly, Ty Coleman, Owen Washburn. I mean, these are some baseball names, by the way. Yeah. I mean, this, is, this is a strong, strong school for baseball names. And then pitching-wise, they've also been really solid. Like, they've been getting good performances out of their starters. On the mound, I think they have... Hold on, let me just double-check this number here because... Uh, it's crazy, but they've been able to pitch like, I think like 11 or 12 different guys who have all been pretty solid at at some point this year, kind of led by their, their main starter, it seems like right now, Andrew Morris. But like their offense definitely leads them forward. The pitching can get better. But when you beat Texas like they did, I'm going to throw you in the top five. Yeah, as you should. I've got them. I've got them in the top five as well. At four, though, I have a team that we have discussed at length. We probably have the same team here, unless you've got them at three, and that is the Arkansas Razorbacks. I, I have them at three. You're right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got Arkansas at four. Um, at this point, if you listen to the podcast, we we all probably know their lineup by heart by now. <laughs> the team is just is just really good. Um, their offense is is incredible. They dropped one this weekend. So they, they lost their winning streak of like 14 or 15 or something, but they've been on a tear ever since they, they had that loss to Illinois state, which we mentioned. Uh, it's a team that just belongs in the top five. They're not going anywhere. They're going to continue to win. And as the weather gets better, I don't know what it's been like down there. I think it's been a little bit cold in Arkansas, but I think when, uh, when bomb Walker starts to fill up, you get the atmosphere going I don't think there's a better place to play. Maybe Duty Noble. I don't think there's a better place to play than Bomb Walker Stadium. And I think that the uh, the Razorbacks are going to feed off of that. Yeah, I've, I've got the Razorbacks at three for all the reasons you just said. We're very close there. At four, though, I went with Oregon State. Oregon State, of course, another baseball powerhouse for many, many years, being led offensively by Jacob Melton, who's just got a, I don't know, 1,200 OPS. I mean, it's just crazy. Those are, I, I'll never get tired of saying, eh, 1,200 OPS. No He's playing deal. pretty well. No big deal. Yeah, nine homers, 37 RBIs. He's doing incredibly well. And then on the pitching side, you're getting some really good performances out of guys like Cooper. I don't know how to pronounce it. Kind of looks like herpes, Herbie. but it's <laughs> H. Yeah. H-J-E-R-P-E. He's been fantastic. 33 innings, 51 strikeouts, 2.41 ERA. And then just even the guys coming out of the bullpen, like they've just got a really well-rounded team. And something that I feel like is separating a lot of the teams right now in college baseball is being able to have that pitching. We've talked about it with the struggles with Ole Miss and Mississippi State. It feels like they just have some of the better pitching right now. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think Connor, Connor Herpy, Herp, Herjerp, <laughs> needs like a catchphrase like oh you've been infected or, or something something fun. you got herpes yeah exactly <laughs> you got the herp um anyway top three texas tech my third team uh obviously they just beat texas this weekend in a dramatic series in dramatic fashion and their only losses of the season are to auburn arizona and those were two of their first three games and then Mississippi State, who, as we've mentioned, most confusing team in the country. They can beat anybody at any time. Uh, Iowa and Texas. And that was their most recent game. So they've played some really, really, really good teams. They've beaten some really, really, really good teams. And the games they've lost 
I don't think they have a bad loss on the schedule. So Texas Tech is playing as good baseball as anyone in the country, uh, except maybe with the exception of the two teams that we've both got at one and two. But <laughs> the Red Raiders keep on riding. Yeah, no, they're, they're, they're very strong. I'm excited to see what they do moving forward. I got Arkansas at three, like previously mentioned, for all the reasons. Robert Moore, uh, they're just kind of leading their offense. That's the big name that you always think about. But even guy like uh, Chris Lanzilli, guy we talked about early on in the year, he's been hitting some home runs. They're getting a lot of production out of everybody. It feels like they're just starting to get hot, even though they did lose, like you said, their winning streak. And I do think, like you said, as the weather gets warmer, you're probably going to see Arkansas play a little bit better. It's tough to get those boys down south in some cold weather. You don't really want to see that when you're playing in Arkansas, Mississippi. You don't want to see see those lower numbers there. No, no. I mean, that's something that as a northern baseball player, you kind of you kind of hope for when you go down south. You're like, "Oh, these these guys don't know how to play in the in the 30s and 40s." They do, but <laughs> but you like to think that they don't. Um, and then let's just let's just get into the top 2 here. Number 2, yeah. Virginia. The Cavs, Jake Geloff, Golden Spikes front runner right now. I mean, the guy's unstoppable. We mentioned him at the top of the heart, uh, home run leaderboards with 13. They've also got the best pitching, except for Tennessee, who we're going to talk about. They've got some of the best pitching in the country. Um, they're also a top five team in home runs. They have 46 home runs on the year. They're also a top three team in average. They're batting 332 as a team, just as well-rounded and elite in every single category as it comes yep i i think you said it perfectly i don't i don't really need to expand too much more on it you basically took all the stats that i had written down for virginia so you know what i'm gonna take yours for tennessee because this right here as much as it pains me as a gamecock to say boy oh boy do i love watching this team play boy oh boy are they so so good here's some fun stats for you guys they're just simply the best team in college baseball period there's no conversation maybe at the end of the year it could change but right now you cannot say anybody is better than tennessee they have seven guys hitting above 380 right now in their lineup. Seven <laughs> above 380. Are you kidding me? And if you really want to expand it even more, they have 13 guys hitting 300 or higher with Luke Lipschitz hitting 299. Oh, sorry, Luke. You got left out of this. 14 guys hitting 300. Are you kidding me? Luke, Luke what, how, how do you say that? I think it's Luke Lipschitz. I don't know. That's what I'm going with. Luke, you're not batting 300. You might as well call it a career, dude. Yeah, it's, it's time to pack it up, hang up the cleats. I mean, the rest of the numbers for Luke are looking pretty good. And again, I'm I'm still not done with the offensive <laughs> numbers because it gets even crazier. How about Trey Lipscomb, who's a guy that uh, hit for the cycle early on in the year, almost did it in back-to-back games, which is just crazy to say out loud. 382, 448, 843 on the season. So yeah, another 1,200 OPS guy, not too bad. 10 homers, 7 doubles, 44 RBIs. Sick. Now, I mentioned OPS, I mentioned batting average. How about 11 players with an OPS above 1,000 on Tennessee right now? 11 <laughs> above 1,000, 15 above 900. Now, granted, some of these guys have smaller samples, so the numbers are inflated, but 15 guys with an OPS above 900, that's like every hitter, seemingly. Team team OPS, number one in the country, obviously. It's 11, 1138 OPS. They're second in Team OBP behind only Texas Southern with 455 OBP and their first in slugging at 683. So th- those are the components of that OPS figure that they've got, which is just preposterous. Yeah, no, it's it's absolutely insane. And then that's that's the offense. Sounds pretty good, oh. right? Oh yeah, by the way, pitching wise, uh pretty good too. I don't know <laughs> if you guys have have understood this from the way we've been talking about it, but it's it's led by Burns, Beam, 
Dollander, best in the country. Burns, 33 and two-thirds innings, 45 Ks, nine walks, three earned runs. Gives him a .8 ERA with a .74 whip. That's pretty good, pretty good, right? Drew Beam, how about him? 32 innings, 25 Ks, six walks, 1.13 ERA, ERA, .53 whip. And then, of course, got to mention my boy Chase Dollander. It's my favorite pitcher in college baseball. 30 and a third innings, 54 strikeouts, seven walks, a .86 whip, and a 2.67 ERA. The highest ERA on the team, essentially, is Jake Fitzgibbons, who has a 3.86. Everybody else is like <laughs> two and under. It's just, who who is going to beat this team? I genuinely don't know. I don't know how you beat this team in a series. They are too good on both sides of the baseball. I was hoping you'd say that the worst ERA was Luke Lifshitz. <laughs> 3.86. I mean, if you're pushing four, dude, what are you doing on the volunteers? If you don't have a 2.1 ERA or better, then... I, mean, I don't know what to tell you, but I'm joking, of course. But a couple other stats that they've got, the fewest hits allowed per nine, 5.38. The lowest whip by far, they're, they're whipping 0.87, and the next closest is 1.04, which is just it's ridiculous. Gross. Yeah, and then uh, top five in Ks per nine with 11.9. And everybody talks about this small ballpark that Tennessee's got. And obviously, as we saw this past weekend at Ole Miss, that's not something that defines them. But if you look at the stats and the leaderboards, they've got the most home runs in the country by a long shot. They've hit 64 bombs, and the next closest is 48. So, oh God. <laughs> so that's a uh, that's a 33% increase on the next closest team. So, yeah. Do they play in a small park? Maybe. Does it matter? Absolutely not because they do everything yeah. else so, so, so well. So that is a consensus number one everywhere. If you see a place that doesn't have Tennessee at number one, you can safely assume they don't know what they're doing. Yeah, uh, I've I've never felt better about a bet that I've made in my life right now than Tennessee to win the College World Series that the odds got it at. They are just, as long as you know everything stays good for them, knocking on wood, staying healthy, everybody's playing well. I really don't know how you can beat them because just even from the pitching side, we've seen how pitching can take over in the College World Series. I mean, Mississippi State went on the back last year of Will Bednar. They have three guys who are fantastic top pitchers in the country, and then they also hit. How do you beat them? You can't, you can't score more runs than them. It's just not going to happen. I, I'm trying to think of a scenario, and baseball will prove that there very well could be a scenario because it's a weird sport. But in terms of... In terms of my mind, I can't imagine them losing a series. I, I just, I mean, they might lose a series. They will lose a series and people will overreact. But as of right now, 23 and 1, they look invincible. So that's about all you can say about this team. Yeah, and they got the big series coming up against Vandy this weekend that we talked about. You got to watch it. You have to watch it. Must Talk watch. about just yep. two powerhouses, SEC baseball, in state rivalry. It's going to be electric. I can't wait to see it. That's our uh, that's our series of the week for sure. So if you're looking for something to to watch, that's the one right there. And I think with that, Mark, we can uh, we can wrap this one up. Yeah, put a nice bow on it and call it an episode here. Absolutely. If you're not following us already on socials, uh, Mark is at Giraffe Neck Mark everywhere. I am at Ben Thirteen Porter everywhere, and you can follow the podcast. Uh, at rallycaps underscore pod on Twitter, at rallycapspod on Instagram. And if you're listening on Stitcher, we want to hear from you. We want to know if you exist because we didn't hear from anyone last week from Stitcher. So uh, 
<laughs> Shout out to all the Stitcher listeners out there. And uh, everybody have a great week, and we will talk to you next Tuesday. All right? Peace out, guys. See you guys.